Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. After a prolonged silence, finally some word last week from the Assembly of First Nations about how they'll deal with the Morley Gugu matter. Gugu is AFN Regional Chief for Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. Gugu was found by an independent third-party investigation to have engaged in harassment and gender-based bullying against women involved in the Tripartite Forum. The Forum is a partnership between Canada, Nova Scotia, and the Mi'kmaq people of Nova Scotia. Even though that independent investigation has already found that Gugu engaged in bullying and harassment, the EFN announced that Gugu has been suspended with pay while an outside lawyer conducts another investigation. Our guest on Mi'kmaq Matters this week is the woman who was at the center of the events involving Gugu and the finding of harassment and bullying. Cheryl Maloney was president of the Nova Scotia Native Women's Association. It was her complaint that led to the independent investigation. She also has filed a complaint with the Canadian Human Rights Commission. One of the puzzling things about the Gugu affair is why he has been able to survive as long as he has as regional chief considering his criminal record involving assaults against women, including his ex-wife. As reported by CBC, in 1996, Gugu was charged with assaulting a woman near Millbrook First Nation in Nova Scotia. He pleaded guilty in that incident and received a suspended sentence. He was also given one year of probation in order to take an anger management program. In 2007, he pleaded guilty to uttering threats against his ex-wife and assaulting her in her home. He was granted a conditional discharge and given 15 months of community service and probation. Four years after that incident, he was elected AFN Regional Chief for Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. Two years ago, he was charged with assault and causing a disturbance at a hotel near Sydney. The charges were withdrawn last year after Gugu went through the restorative justice program. I spoke with Cheryl Maloney about the latest announcement by the AFN and about the politics of the 13 Indian Act bans in Nova Scotia that have kept Gugu in office. The AFN executive has decided to suspend Morley Gugu with pay. How did you find out about the AFN decision? Uh, it's actually media. Um is the one that usually lets me know what's going on. So, so you didn't uh, receive any heads up from AFN yourself? No, no. And uh, um, you have provided the AFN a copy of the um, independent investigation report. That well, yeah, the National Chief's Office requested it, and um, because he was privy to the report, um, I had no problem sending it, but I only was able to send a three-piece summary that I received. Uh, there was a previous uh, report sent in August. It was 30 pages, and then there was a few versions 
um, where it was worked down. So I was only able to offer the executive what I had. I see. So you didn't have a copy of the larger 30-page report? No. And uh, it was the Office of uh, National Chief Perry Belgard that had requested the, the report? Yes. And um, did you have any discussion with him or anyone in his office after you sent in the report? No, never heard anything. Hmm. I had hoped. I asked that they give me a heads up. Um just because I have safety concerns um, for myself. Safety concerns uh, arising out of um, your involvement in this uh, uh, public um, matter involving Wally Gugu. Yeah, he's a very powerful man and anything, um, it's just natural. There just seems to be a lot of fear for him. He has a history of um, less desirable behavior and I know there's been some criminal assaults and other things in his past that, you know, are common knowledge or available to the public record. Yes. So I did have uh, some concerns. The EFN has, uh, has, has said in this latest assessment that they're going to um, have an investigation led by external legal counsel into uh, allegations of harassment, uh, bullying, and discrimination against Marley Gugu. Do you have any understanding of how this uh, investigation by external legal counsel will work? No, I, I don't know, and I don't know any more than the media tells me, actually. Mm -hmm. So we don't know who the lawyer is going to be and what the and what the process would be. No, your guess is probably the best guess. Would you would you if this lawyer calls you up to? Uh, do an investigation with you. Will you? Do you plan to cooperate? Oh yes, I'll cooperate. But it's it's not me that I'm I'm concerned about cooperating. This investigation had a mandate, a very wide mandate, um, to go within to the forum and review documents, talk to staff. Um, yeah, so she had wide scope and. The um, other women in the forum and other government partners are free to speak um, within that process. It was a, um, you know, commissioned by the tripartite forum. So there was a lot of freedom and safety mechanisms for the women to speak up. The AFN um, can't offer that same thing for these people that were affected other than myself. And, and that's the thing. The investigation isn't just about me. They found direct discrimination against the Nova Scotia Native Women's Association as a whole, which is really troubling when a very powerful leader tries to silence a strong Indigenous woman's voice. Um, you know, our organization was uh, a key player in a lot of the national work and international work on calling for a uh, commission of inquiry into miss and murdered Indigenous women. So, and a, a key player in doing justices for women in the province. So when a national leader wants to silence that voice and, you know, freeze us out or, you know, the political backlash or financial backlash or, um, or actually personally threatening me, um, that's a serious matter and it's beyond just, you know, this being just about something between Morley and myself. 
so there was an impact on the on the larger political work done by um, the Nova Scotia Women's Association, uh, in addition to the fallout for you as individual women involved. Uh, absolutely, the organization now is is um, been much quieter. <laughs> And I, I know they did one speak in news release, and it was to clarify that they were working with the chiefs when there was criticism of the AFN First Nations Summit and lack of leaders at the women's um, event. They they went and did a news release to say we get along just fine. We're not out to get our chiefs, which was, um, you know, for them a priority to make sure they maintained a good relationship with the chiefs even if the chiefs weren't really looking out for our best interest. And, you know, that, that makes sense because the Indigenous world and funding to it is very much dependent on support of um, Indian Act chiefs and, and bodies. I know whenever we wanted to get a proposal approved, we'd have to get a checklist. And one of the checklists is, did you have a letter of support from um, the chiefs or a chief or the chief and council. So is that letter or that support's not just being withheld, but um, um, actively going against an organization, then, you know, that's the situation we were facing at that time mm. under his leadership and mine. It's a bit hard for us to understand why Morley Gugu has remained regional chief for such a long time. I mean, as you say, uh, in the media, there have been reports about, um, you know, uh, assaults, uh, incidents involving drinking, uh, you know, that have led to mm -hmm. uh, police uh, police matters. So explain to us how he can have engaged in this uh, uh, inappropriate behavior for a, a long period of time, and only now uh, are, has it sort of, you know, reached this, uh, reached this level. I have no clue. Nobody does. That's a question in the community still to this day. The people that are brave enough to talk and say, you know, and, and comment, they're saying, how the hell is he still there? Um, and a lot of the other people said, I, I wish I could comment. I can't. I'm, I'm working here. I'm working. You look under the Indian Act, everybody in the Indigenous communities in, in the territory, um, we have 13 communities. There's chiefs and councils on all of the boards or chiefs on all the boards for all the organizations in Nova Scotia, except for the Nova Scotia Native Women. We're the only board that wasn't made up of chiefs. And then for the bullying to happen to that only organization that has a, a, a freer voice or, or not being controlled by the Indian Act system. So uh, most people work for First Nation community, a chief or council, or they work for a tribal organization, or they work with government or somebody that works with the First Nations communities. Um, so there, there's just no room for anyone to be out of line without having your jobs at risk, and then your safety. And then within the communities under the Indian Act, a lot of um, services um, stem from the Indian Act. Hmm. So I think that this, this is much larger financial, social, um, safety, all kinds, all kinds of consequences. And, you know, I, I feel them. I, I haven't been able to get um, access to, to legal representation um, 
because of all the conflicts with my case in particular. So law firms say that, oh, we can't represent you because we represent a... Uh, we have a, a conflict with one of the parties. Right. And then a young lawyer coming up that may want to take it, um, I have to caution them and say, well, if you do this, you may not work again because or a firm may not want you to work with them because you'll be in conflict with, you know, future conflicts or potential conflicts or real conflicts with um, other cases and clients of the firm. It's a really, um, it's a big issue that when we're looking at the calls for justice or missing murdered Indigenous women in the reports, all these calls for justice, if you can't get through that first hoop of getting legal representation, um, and then not being able to afford it, like Morley Google is on um, paid leave. And, you know, he oh, still can afford his lawyer. Yeah. Hmm. And what, yeah. Tell, us, tell us about what is what the consequences have been for you since you complained uh, initially. Well, yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of the threats, well, one is financial, um, but political. I, I had a strong political voice. This um, really silenced me and, and broke me because I thought if I, a, you know, a strong Indigenous women's voice for a strong Indigenous women's organization could be beaten down um, to the point we're at now, that um, there's there's really no hope for the, the average Indigenous woman that, you know, may be working in one of the organizations or... Um, what can they do, you know, to speak up for themselves? If if I can't find uh, safety, security, protections, I went through all the right processes. I, I wrote everything up. We kept a record. We went to the 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 next steps of of going to the officials, making the complaints, getting an investigation, receiving the findings, and then dead silence. Dead silence. And it took a lot to get the investigation launched because nobody really wanted to answer the email or answer the letter. Nobody was responsible. So it took quite a bit of lobbying, the federal provincial in chief, to say who's going to address the initial complaint. And, um, and suppose, we end up uh, here with nothing happening. And I suppose when you are involved in a complaint like this, it almost becomes like a part-time job because you're dealing with the correspondence, making the calls, Thinking about it, I had a, a lawyer in the beginning, but she was very early on uh, informed that she's within a um, conflict. So I agreed to to let her go before we got into deep, um, so that she was able to maintain her other her other work, which was the national inquiry into murdered Indigenous women. So. Um, you know, we started out with counsel, but then, and then I hadn't reached out to people and for two or three months, they thought they could take it on. And then by the time they sorted through all the jurisdictions and um, then getting through to their, their firms, there was conflicts. Um, so that, that's the way things had went. What about uh, career-wise? You were a uh, worked in political science and intergovernment. I yeah, my paid position was an intergovernmental liaison, um, and that was in that position for uh, about twelve years. Mm -hmm. 
and um, and that's the actual the work environment I was dealing with um, the vice chief in both a in an employee capacity, um, but then also as the leader of an organized political organization. So the wrath came both ways to my employed position and also to my political position and the political organization that I was leading. Um, you know, it got the, to the point that if I continued as president, that we were going to have uh, morally and some of the chiefs were, were believing his his position that we were out to get him. Um, and, and he threatened to have, you know, me removed and, and women working against me and you know, it was very, um, it, it was a really tough time to continue in, in a political position when, when you feel like all the jobs of this organization and all the jobs of the tripartite form are being jeopardized because he kept threatening to, to pull the chiefs out of the organization, which would have meant the loss of jobs to a lot of people. So it, it really left me no no choice but to um, protect all those other women and jobs right. from my own. The AFN has finally uh, indicated that it's going to do something. Do you think politically they they uh, could do anything other than uh, remove uh, Morley Google? Well, you know, um, there's two things at play, and Morley wanted the um, Nova Scotia Newfoundland chiefs to push back against his suspension. but. I don't think that Nova Scotia Newfoundland chief should be pushing back against the suspension. I think that they are in their full right to suspend them themselves and should have called them in um, to address this, but they didn't do that for the last two years and they haven't done it now. They're sort of sitting back and saying, well, it's up to the AFN to decide, but it really isn't up to the AFN to decide. It's, he's their representative. The Atlantic Policy Congress uh, includes uh, most of the chiefs from um, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, Morley Google's jurisdiction. They're meeting in September. They have an executive meeting and then they have an all chiefs meeting. So you think it would be within their power there to decide that, um, to make uh, an, a decision on their own about what should happen to Morley Google? No, they won't. That their mandate is 34 First Nations. This is either a national chief issue or a um, regional, chief, the regional issue where that he represents. So he doesn't represent New Brunswick and PEI. He represents Nova Scotia and Newfoundland. But I don't know when Newfoundland and Nova Scotia chiefs ever meet together. They might be, that might be an opportunity for them to meet and have a caucus discussion. But that's not the natural path or form for them to to address it. And that's, I think, why he got away with this for so long, because there was no um, and is no um, form for them to hold them accountable. They just sort of piggyback other meetings that are being paid for. So if it's not on the agenda in those other meetings, it just doesn't get on any agenda. And that's how, you know, things can just flip. But unless they make real efforts to um, go out of the way and have a meeting, it won't happen. Right, Cheryl. So what, what do you think is uh, is going to happen uh, next? Um, are you expecting you're going to get a call from a lawyer saying she's the lawyer doing the investigation and wants to talk to you? Or how, how do you think it will go down? 
I have no clue. They still haven't reached out to me, so I can't even speculate. Have you received and, uh, but I'd be interested to see who they do hire. Cheryl Maloney, former president of the Nova Scotia Native Women's Association. Morley Gugu has hired a lawyer and has denied the allegations of harassment and bullying, which he says are a distraction from his work as regional chief for Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. Before we go, a reminder that the annual General Assembly for the Halibut First Nation Western Region is this coming Sunday, September 15th from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at the Greenwood Inn on West Street in Cornerbrook. The next day, Monday, September 16th at 9 a.m., there'll be a meeting of Halibut Council in the Community Room 1 Church Street in Cornerbrook. Watch our Facebook page for reports from the Annual General Assembly and the Council meeting on September the 16th. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Mailbagag, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.